I was I was kind of quick, so I thought I was a sprinter until I got put up against real sprinters. This one's radio episode eight hundred and eighty starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you by the old consult call, the old opportunity to jump on the phone and kind of help, you know, do a little brainstorming, a little uh, offer some suggestions, maybe some advice, a little bit of coaching, whatever you need to help you work through whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with at the moment. Maybe it's, you know, kind of trying to figure out what to do between now and the end of the year to kind of set yourself up to be ready to go next year when hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, races are more of a regular thing again. Maybe it's an injury, a niggle. Maybe you're trying to figure out how to balance, how to put a schedule together to maintain your fitness right now with you know, maybe your last chance for a race this year got canceled. I don't know what your situation is, but if there's something that you're dealing with that you're, that you're struggling to deal with, if you think that, that us talking it through might be useful, might be helpful, we can do that. You know, it's not any long-term commitment. It's, it's a one-off payment. And uh, like I said, we jump on the phone 20, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, whatever it takes, whatever you need. And uh, just have a chance to, to talk it through and hopefully something that I can help you out with. So if you're interested in finding out more details or getting on the schedule, all you got to do is head over to disruns.com slash consultation, disruns.com slash consultation. Uh, it, there's a link at the bottom. It'll direct you to PayPal. You pay the $25, then that directs you right over to uh, my scheduler. You pick a time, bada boom, bada bam. I give you a call and we are off to the proverbial races trying to help you work through whatever it is you're struggling with. So uh, check it out, disruns.com slash consultation. If I can help you out, it would be a pleasure. And uh, if not, or even if I can, in any any event, now it's time to uh, get on with today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, my guest today is someone that uh, I think a lot of us can probably relate to on at least uh, one or two fronts here and there, and obviously we'll get into them as we go, but uh, where at least I think most of us can relate to, certainly I can as well, is that uh, today's guest has uh, had the opportunity, maybe been forced to learn a few lessons the hard way over the years uh, on a couple of common fronts, including the diet front and uh, the injury front. Uh, So within the, the running community, he's certainly in a very fine company on, um, in both of those areas. And, uh, you know, again, something I think that probably all of us can relate to, uh, at some level. Uh, he's also participated in a variety of events over the years, which again, I think it's an area that we can relate to as well, uh, including a certain 26.2 that y'all know that I have my sights set on. So uh, I'm sure we'll maybe talk about that a little bit and, and, you know, just races and events in general, uh, and looking forward to it today with, uh, Mr. Rick Lind. So Rick, thanks for joining us today and, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, certainly. And uh, guys, Rick doesn't do a, a lot of social media stuff, which is which is obviously fine. Uh, but if you want to kind of check out uh, the show notes for today, we've got links back there. Dizruns.com slash 880 is the link. We've got some photos. Of course, we'll have links for things we talk about today. And I think Rick's in the Facebook group too. So if you're in the Facebook group, you can always see him there. But otherwise, social media, not, uh, not exactly his thing. Uh, but Dizruns.com slash 880 to kind of 
get back to the show notes today and all that good stuff as per usual. So, uh, Rick, you've listened to the show once or twice. You know, you know the drill. You know what's coming right here. So I don't need to do the whole big long lead up into it. I can just jump right into it. And that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? I, I hate to be redundant upon most of the interviews that I hear, but uh, unfortunately, it's it's the half marathon. Um, and and again, it's for the same reasons that I hear many people talk about it. The training for a half uh, doesn't wear you down so much, and recovering from a half is, for the most part, not that difficult. Yeah, um, certainly, certainly. Once once you get into it far enough, um, you know, like like you said, and it's it's like many have said, uh, it's it's pretty easy uh, to find that balance. Uh, not not always for everybody, but it, you know, just certain levels of of w- once you've been running enough, uh, that the half marathon it, it fits fits pretty nicely for most folks. Yeah, I I agree. I. I... I feel that for, for most of us who have been, uh, I guess, into the, the long distance running community, it seems like uh, a half is something you could do on most weekends and, and it wouldn't impact you negatively. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. How'd you get uh, started in this sport, Rick? Is, is running something that's been part of your life for a long time, semi-recently? Where'd you, uh, where'd you find your way into uh, this, this passion that we all know and love? Well, when I was much, much younger, um, I was kind of a, a half-assed jock when I was in high school. Um, even to call myself a jock would be stretching it. So <laughs> I was I was kind of quick. So I thought I was a sprinter until I got put up against real sprinters. <laughs> you know, so I would get my butt kicked at, at track meets. Uh, and I, I did one year of cross country, uh, and and I I really enjoyed it. I wish I would have focused more on that end in in high school. Um, I've always been into physical fitness. So, uh, most of my exercises taken the form of weightlifting. Mm. Um, and I, I quit running around 21, 22, you know, for exercise and just focused on weightlifting until, you know, I, I was into my forties and, uh, started running with my racquetball partner just to have a little bit of wind when I'm playing racquetball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, f- from there it was, uh, my 25 year high school reunion when I'm sitting there having a couple of uh, beers with some of my classmates and they're talking about running marathons and I'm, I'm looking at my classmates thinking, well, one, you weren't a runner when I knew you in high school. And, you know, in my mind, I picture marathon runners, you know, being these tall, lean people and uh, not many of my classmates fit that description anymore. <laughs> so I, I just, at that point, uh, I, the wheels started spinning. Um, and I started thinking, boy, if, if, if they can do it, I should be able to do it. That's that. That's funny how, how that works out where, you know, like, like for a lot of folks, I think there's a little bit of peer pressure that comes into it in, in various forms and, and fashions of somebody else mentions it, plants the seed. And all of a sudden the gears, the gears start turning. Um, what was it like getting into, running at, at that point, you know, 25 years, uh, post high school, but certainly not, uh, like you said, not, not in your twenties anymore, not, not young and, and quick to bounce back from, you know, maybe doing too much or, or whatever the case might be. Um, what, what was, what was those, that first, you know, whatever few months, six months of, of running, like, was it pretty easy or was that where a lot of the lessons learned came in or how did it kind of get started for you? Um, I, I wish I had learned the lessons prior, uh, <laughs> or, or that quick <laughs> because, 
my, my first run when I decided, yeah, maybe I'll try to get into this, um, went out my front door and, uh, there, there's the Lake Wobegon trail, which is, a a trail in central Minnesota where there's a marathon, a uh, local marathon here. And I thought, well, I'll just run a few miles on that trail. And I took off at what I thought was my, you know, should be my normal pace. Uh, not thinking that I'm 20 plus years older than when I've done that. And I made it about a mile before I thought I was going to have a heart attack and ended up uh, limping home. And uh, <laughs> it, it was a long, slow progression before I was able to get out and, and do two, three miles. Uh, um, and for years, I didn't run more than four or five miles. Um, so that, that was like in late 2011, uh, early 2012. Um, and then it was, uh, around 2015 when I finally pulled the trigger and signed up for my first half. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's, um, I, I don't know if, if reality check is quite the right word. Uh, maybe that is, I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but it, it's, it's interesting to me how, you know, like you said, you had you had a racquetball partner. So you, you're still being athletic. You're still doing stuff. You're still still being physically active, um, but but the expectations of like, oh, I can I can play racquetball for an hour or two, or you know, I'm, I'm lifting weights. I'm strong. I'm I'm still in the weight room. I'm still pretty fit. Um, I should be able to do X. You know, when I when I get into running, and you have no idea what it, what it's like. Uh, what what it's like to try to hold that pace for you know, more than a few minutes. It's not a sprint, you know, the, the, the old cliche, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint, but it's, 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 uh, true when, when it gets into to running and, and that endurance piece is, uh, it, it's something that it's kind of hard to replicate from, from other disciplines, other sports, other events. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the, the other, you know, being physically active in other areas, being a, a racquetball player, playing tennis, whatever it is, lifting weights, doing, doing other, other activities can be very helpful, helpful for us as runners, but it, boy, it sure doesn't set you up for success for those first few runs of, of figuring out how to pace yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm still, uh, I'm still learning the pacing myself lesson. Um, <laughs> I, I, I still am pretty active, not in the gym just because of the COVID stuff, mm-hmm. but I, I, work out pretty regularly with weights at home and, and, uh, I, I wouldn't say I, I'm an adrenaline junkie, but I, I like going pretty hard when, mm-hmm. when I'm working out and, and that has translated over to when I run as well. Um, I, I've been a very slow learner when it comes to the long, slow, easy. Right. Um, and part of that is the, the people that I run with and, and the other is, is just, it's in my head that if I'm not pushing myself, then it's not really a workout, even though I know right. better, right. Um, you know, letting that transition over uh, to reality when I'm out there on the streets or on the trails uh, just doesn't work all the time. Yeah, it's, that's, it's such a uh, thing that I think everybody struggles with. It's, it's that, that knowing versus, you knowing it in your head versus knowing it in your heart, maybe sometimes where like, like, you, just like you said, like, you know, that running easy. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about it all the time, obviously, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to know that, that like, yeah, you don't need to hammer it all the time. You don't need to, to push yourself to the limit with every run. You're still getting something out of it. There's still plenty of benefits to be gained. Uh, but then you get out there and, and like you said, you get around a couple of people that are, that are pushing the pace or they're, they're not pushing their, their pace, but compared to your pace, it's faster. So you're trying to keep up. Um, and all of a sudden those, those easy run plans go out the window and you're, you're getting after it pretty hard, which, uh, you know, works out sometimes, but, but, uh, in some, some instances, 
can uh, lead to, to some some difficult realizations, maybe some painful realizations. Uh, we've kind of hinted around a couple times, but I'd love to dive in a little bit a little bit farther on some of those lessons learned, maybe on the injury front, uh, lessons that you've learned the, the hard way in terms of uh, maybe struggling to pace yourself a little bit or biting off more than you can chew at you know at certain certain times. If you're uh, up for telling a couple of a couple of those stories, sure, sure. So. Um, well, when I finally made the decision to go ahead and, and, uh, start training for my first half marathon, I, I joined a local running club, uh, the St. Cloud river runners in central Minnesota. Um, and the, the amount of experience and just incredible runners in the, in the club, uh, of all levels was so inspirational for me. But at the same time, um, I would constantly be judging myself against these runners and, uh, so early on, I ended up uh, pulling a hammy, uh, ended up with some plantar fasciitis, um, IT band. Uh, so you, your, your typical overuse injuries and, and just not being smart, you know, rarely do I do a, an actual warm up before I go mm-hmm. up for a run. And, uh, you know, the first mile is supposed to be easy. And then when that easy mile is you know, pretty darn close to race pace. Um, and then it gets faster from there. Then, then, uh, that kind of explains why I end up, uh, limping after the end of the end of a run. Mm -hmm. So, um, I did have one injury that, um, I wouldn't say is necessarily related to overuse. So I, I have a hip impingement on both sides. Um, and the, the doctor says that it was just uh, genetics that I got bad hips, so the the, the ball doesn't shrink down into the cam. Mm-hmm. So I shredded the the right hip labrum. So they went in and they, you know, uh, reshaped the mm-hmm. the ball into the cam and and took care of the labral tear. Um, that that was probably obviously my most significant uh, injury, and then uh, the left side. I need the same surgery at some point. It's just, you know, when I'm willing to pull a trigger on that, um, deal with the recovery. And I'm, I'm actually past the age when they say it, it's really useful. So, gotcha. um, once you hit 50, then they, they're a little more reluctant to go ahead and, and cut you open and do those. So, um, yeah. So I, I mean, th- those would be your typical ones. And then just not being smart when I'm injured because, uh, I like running and, and I admittedly like, running fast. So, um, you know, you feel something pull and, and you think, ah, oh, that's just a little strain and, and, uh, turns out you have a calf tear and then <laughs> you, you do a two a day workout and, uh, you're thinking that it's just a knot or something and go sit in a hot tub afterwards. And the next day, you, you know, your calf is black and blue wrapped all the way around the front. And this is while you're training for, you know, a, a big marathon. So, um, yeah, yeah, not not always the wisest decisions when it comes to training. It's it's something that that uh, if I'm honest, I sometimes struggle with too. Where it's it's easy to give the advice to other folks. It's easy to say, hey, you know, take a couple days off, or you know, do the warm up, or do the the all the little things, all the the foam rolling and the stretching and the recovery work, and and all of these things that that. I think most of us, if we've been running long enough and we've been, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books, whatever, uh, educating ourselves about the sport a little bit, um, we know these things are important. Yet, yet that that process of doing 
is sometimes uh, the the hardest part, and and uh, something that I know I struggle with too. Taking taking a day off when when you know like uh, I mean as as we're talking, I've got this little inkling of a sore throat. Like you know one of the the joys of having a, a kid in, in first grade and a wife that teaches school is that sometimes those little bugs come home with you. Even even in this day and age of everybody's wearing a mask to try to keep the COVID situation at bay, but sometimes other sicknesses still find their way home, and it worked its way through Addison. It worked its way through me, and now it's like I've got this little you know not not too bad. I can still talk, thankfully, for for my job. I can still, you know, it's not so bad. But it's like, if it was somebody else, I'd be like, hey, you know, maybe don't run for a couple of days. Like, just give your body a chance to fight off this little, you know, this little virus that you're dealing with. No big deal. Take take one day off. Have I have I taken a day off of running yet? No. <laughs> like, still running my normal routine this week since the since those little symptoms showed up. And so, uh, you know, another example of those things where easy to tell other people what to do. But in, in our own situation, sometimes it's really hard to, to do what we know we should, um, whether it's, you know, illness, injury, whatever. And then uh, maybe we make the situation worse, which, you know, again, you're in, you're in good company. I, I think you're in company with me. I think a lot of the folks listening probably uh, have similar stories of things that they've done that maybe they've, you know, kicked themselves a little bit with hindsight as a, as a guide. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and just the tendency to overdo it. Um, mm. Well, prior to my, my hip surgery, you know, I, I knew that I was going in for surgery in, so I did the surgery in February, 2018. Um, that October I ran a marathon and my first 50 K, uh, within a week of each other. Um, just thinking, Hey, if I'm going to get a chance to do an ultra, I might as well do one before a hip surgery. You know, which probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but um, you know, I, I had some time off after the surgery to to think about that again. Um, but the uh, I, maybe it's the the endorphins from from whether it be working out or running, mm-hmm. um, whether injured or not, it's hard to pass it up. Yeah, you know, so if I miss a run, then I'm I'm doing a buttload of push-ups and dumbbell stuff and just, uh, maybe trying to get that fix. Yeah, that's, that's totally true. And and it's something that, again, we, we all can, can relate to on one level or another, some of those, those, you know, the mental benefits, the, 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 uh, like you said, the endorphins that we get from, from running and, um, while, while we can get them in other ways, at least for me, it's not n- nothing's quite the same. It's not not quite the same of a, of a workout than it is to go out and, and whether it's you know just me and the dog or, or me with uh, a friend or two or me just completely solo. Uh, running just scratches that itch in a way that nothing else does, which is probably why it's so difficult for all of us sometimes to to back <laughs> off, even when we, when we kind of know maybe yep. we should. But eh, man, I just need that that mental release as much as anything sometimes. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, what about on the uh, the dietary front? I know you you kind of gave me a couple of breadcrumbs of a, of an interesting story of, uh, going out for a run and, and, uh, you know, kind of having what I would say is probably a, a pseudo typical kind of, you know, breakfasty type of meal before the run of, you know, some, some yogurt, some granola, banana, kind of stuff, stuff that, I mean, wouldn't be out of the ordinary for me to have. Uh, but then, you know, come to find out, uh, post that, that, uh, I think it was like a, a 38 miler, kind of a, a fat ass type of event, fun run, uh, thing that, uh, Maybe that wasn't the best choice of uh, of food. With again, with hindsight being the uh, the, uh, the the giving us the uh, the ability to see clearly, um, what happened in that in that situation? As I'm kind of leading leading the horse to water here. Yeah. Um, well, 
the people that I run with and the, my normal running partners in the, in the club, um, you know, used to always joke about me having to stop and use the bathroom once or twice during a run. And, and I just assumed that that was my thing is when I would run, I'd have to hit a bathroom. Never thought that much about it. Would try and limit my coffee intake uh, close to a run. But I still always had issues. And then uh, the last ultra that I did was a 38-miler um, uh, on the Kettle Moraine back in 2019. And uh, it had a 5.30 p.m. start. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to think, how how should I eat for this? You know, And, and normally in the morning before uh, a long run, I'll get up a couple hours before and have a piece of peanut butter toast uh, water and a little bit of coffee. Uh, and, and that doesn't normally impact me, but mm-hmm. this time I thought I'd have something more substantial and, uh, had yogurt, granola, some fruit. And basically that race was just a race from Porta John to Porta John. <laughs> so it, it, I hit the Porta John right before it started. And then, uh, I think there was a, a rest area about every five to seven miles. And so it was 19 miles out and uh, 19 miles back. And every Portageon that uh, I came across, I had to use. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I actually still didn't put two and two together then that uh, dairy and lactose were an issue for me. Because um, it was like a month later, I did the 5K half marathon challenge uh, in Duluth for Grandma's Marathon Weekend. And I believe we had pizza for dinner the night before. Or no, I had uh, I had lasagna mm-hmm. uh, with cheese on there, and um, it's similar issues. But I was able to make it through the race without having to use a bathroom. And afterwards, uh, somebody that I know pretty well said, uh, "You know, that kind of sounds like you have some lactose issues." <laughs> and I had never thought of it. Um, and sure enough, once once I take that out of the equation, I, I really don't have issues with runs. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hindsight being 2020, uh, that probably would have changed the outcome of, of some of the races I've done. Um, mm-hmm. And it just makes me think I'm really lucky on the, on the races that went well for me that I didn't eat the wrong thing, you know, two, three, four hours beforehand. Right. Yeah. It's, it's one thing when you, when you know that you need to avoid, because it's even some, you know, some, some things like dairy or, or uh, I know for, you know, the, for those that are, um, you know, kind of have a gluten sensitivity or, or full blown celiac type of issue, like sometimes those, those products or, or some of those things that we have allergens to can kind of sneak into something if we're not, you know, being super careful about reading the, the, the art or, you know, the, the label. Um, but, but when you don't even know, man, like it's, it's easy to, to, stumble somewhere and, and have a, you know, whatever, have a, a, a whatever, uh, like you said, have a little bit of yogurt or have a little cream in your coffee or, or whatever the case might be. Um, not thinking anything of it. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, how those, those dominoes can, can line up and cause all kinds of issues during, during the run. Um, man. And, and then I wonder, and I'm sure you've, you've wondered this as well, like looking back previously like has that has that always been an issue or or can you think of times when when you know younger and and, and earlier in life where where lactose wasn't an issue or is that kind of always maybe been there under the surface just not you know took you however long to to figure it out yeah i'm a very slow learner uh (laughs) so so i i found out when i was 50 uh yeah when i was 50 that i have lactose issues and and i look back one of my cross-country meets um 
and and it was one where I'd been called up to run varsity, and uh, I sat in line to use a portage on before the race, and I get in there and there's no toilet paper, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they call us to the line, and I walk by the coach and I said, hey, stomach's not feeling well. Got in the bathroom. There's no toilet paper, and um, yeah, said I'm not gonna crap myself for a race, right. <laughs> and uh, ended up jogging a. Uh, a huge varsity meet instead of being able to race it and and uh again that just goes back to the dairy issue and Mm -hmm. just you know years and years later still rearing its ugly head and uh just took me this long to realize it yeah um now now that you have real you know recognize it and, and know to to avoid uh you know dairy products leading up to a race has it has it made a difference in in your running your performance, I mean, obviously not having to stop at the Portage on multiple times, like that's, that's a, 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 makes a big difference, but are there, are there other areas that you've kind of noticed, or at least other, other impacts as far as your running goes? You're like, wow, like this really has potentially made a, a huge difference in, on this front or that front, or is it, it outside of the, the, having to stop to use the bathroom issue, uh, not been a huge difference for you? Um, I mean, really for my training runs, I, I notice it a lot. So, you know, my, my Saturday mornings would typically be the long runs that I would do with the club. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would usually have to plan on a stop before, during and after the run. Uh, so that, that would sometimes mean losing the club or having to right. sprint up ahead of them. And, um, that's, that's gone now. Uh, it's pretty rare that I have, have an issue, uh, during a, a normal training run. Um, I still, um, don't always watch what I eat as closely as I should. Uh, I really enjoy going for a run and then having a beer. Mm. Um, and then if I do that the night before a long run, uh, that that's not always the smartest <laughs> thing because there, there might be some chips and other junk food that are mixed mm-hmm. in. Um, but for the most part, I, I have noticed a significant improvement. Just unfortunately, uh, that the last race that I ran was, uh, September, 2019, and, uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to try racing yet where I'm actually watching my, my diet close enough to see how right. that's going to impact things. Yeah. That'll be, uh, certainly something to, to keep an eye on going forward. And I, I'm just kind of thinking to myself, it's like, you know, talking about having some yogurt, like for me, that's like, a, that's like the perfect night before a long run food. But, uh, for you, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe not so much. <laughs> not going to happen. Not going to happen. I, I, I do, uh, uh, drink the lactose-free milk and I, I haven't had an issue with it. So I haven't had to steer clear from milk altogether, but it's, it's hard to find uh, the, you know, good lactose-free yogurt and some of those other things. So I've just removed it from the diet. And uh, uh, w- one of the things with the COVID stuff is it's increased my, my number of, alcohol beverages per week considerably. Mm. <laughs> um, so I went from probably having a beer or two, uh, two to three times a week to a beer or two pretty much every night. <laughs> so, uh, with that sometimes comes chips and, uh, you know, maybe some salted nuts, but again, uh, for the most part, it's not impacting me negatively. Gotcha. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, right? Like you gotta, you gotta find the right balance and, and, um, you know, like we're, we're, we're humans and, and we can't be perfect on, on every front all the time. And so, you know, if, if, if having a, a drink or two here and there, or, or having a drink, drink or two most days, um, is something that, that 
works for you and, 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 you know, is part of the routine, like you, you make it work. And if, if it really came down to it, you know, like you could, you could probably say no, but, but right now, like it's something that you enjoy, like whatever, whatever you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. And, um, and that's okay. That's okay. For sure. Once I get back into training for, for an actual race again, uh, I'll, I'll be uh, much more reserved on, mm-hmm. on the junk food and uh, my alcohol intake. Certainly. So I, I had hoped to run the Jack and Jill marathon, uh, out in Washington, um, in July, obviously that went out the window. Right. So, um, which ki- kind of brings me back to some of my race history that y- you had referenced a little bit earlier. My, my goal was to, to run a BQ out there. Mm. Um, and a few of my friends have, have had their PRs, uh, out at the Jack and Jill or light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. course in, in Washington. So, uh, that, that was my goal for the summer was to go out there and, and try and put down a fast time. Um, I, I've had the good fortune of early in my long distance career, uh, when I started running marathons of, of training with just some phenomenal runners who convinced me that I could run much faster than what I was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so my first marathon, um, I think I underperformed a little bit, um, that was the twin cities back in like 2015 and, um, I ran a three forty something. Um, and at that point it was going to be a one and done because it wasn't a really great experience. I mean, it was, it was, it was a fun race, but it, it, it beat me up pretty good. Um, and I thought, yep, uh, these marathons are for the birds. Uh, I'm done. I'll still run with the club. And, uh, uh, I, I was so new to a lot of the lingo that it was after that marathon and I'm, I'm running with two of my regular running partners still. And, uh, one of them said, so what's, what's your BQ time? And I said, <laughs> well, what, what is that? <laughs> and they talked about uh, Boston qualifier. And again, I still had no clue what they were mm-hmm. talking about. So, um, and then once uh, what I heard what it was from my age group, I thought, uh, oh, there's no way. And, uh, um, next thing you know, I'm, I'm training with, uh, some younger guys doing some speed work and then my times on my long runs dropped considerably. And, and my next marathon, I, I shaved off, uh, over 20 minutes. Wow. And, uh, so I was able to qualify back in 2016 and, and ran Boston in 2017. Uh, so yeah, that's that's awesome. And uh, as as folks that have listened to the show long enough know, uh, I can't just gloss over the the fact that you ran Boston without at least diving into it uh, a little bit. So what was, uh, you know, everybody everybody knows that uh, that's a big goal of mine, and 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 uh, something that uh, I jokingly say, but there's a lot of truth to it. That you got to get a little, I got to get older, and I got to get faster, and eventually those those two lines are gonna uh, meet somewhere, and I, and I'll you know check that box, that Boston qualifying box, and then uh, make my way to Boston in, in April and and run the race. Um, but what was what was your Boston Marathon running experience like? So it it was a phenomenal experience, uh, especially for the first fourteen fifteen miles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a it was a warm year. Uh, so two thousand seventeen, I think it got up into um, was it the low eighties? 
Yeah, that's, that's and, plenty warm. Yeah, yeah, and and all all of my training for the most part uh, was in Minnesota. I, I shouldn't say for the most part, all of it was. Right. So you know, I'm I'm running doing my twenty milers, uh, you know, around zero degrees or say well bit. below freezing most of them, and then yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and and I don't do any treadmill stuff. I I do all out on the road. Um, so. I was not acclimated and ready for, for that heat and it, and it kicked my butt. So, um, by the end of the race, I was just focusing on the person's feet in front of me. <laughs> you know, I had hoped that I was going to be high fiving and, and, uh, kind of cheering on the other runners around me for the whole race. Um, but, uh, especially by the time I got to heartbreak Hill, I knew it was just going to be survival mode. Right. Um, you know, so I, I had a lot of fun, uh, during the, the first 14, 15 miles, a lot of pain, <laughs> uh, coming in. Um, I had one, one humorous thing that happened during the race was, uh, a mile or two to go. Um, one of my cousins happened to be watching his wife was running and, uh, I'm focusing on the person's feet in front of me and just trying to survive to the end when I hear my name shouted, you know, Hey, Rick Lind. And I look and there's my cousin. Uh, didn't expect to see him there. And I smiled, didn't know what to do. So I gave him a double bicep uh, <laughs> as a joke. And, uh, uh, both biceps seized up on me. Oh no! <laughs> so yeah, uh, there's, there, there was another lesson learned or should have been another lesson learned. I just did that again at a, at a race in 2009. <laughs> 19. Yeah. But, um, it, it was, it was a phenomenal experience though. Um, from, the, from the fellow runners to, uh, the crowd is just incredible. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, the, the locals after the race, uh, when you get on the subway and, and people are getting up to give you their, their seat because oh, right. they see you just ran the marathon. Um, uh, that, that's why I want to go back. Um, I'd like to, to bring some friends out there with me and, and go enjoy it this time stay a little bit longer right right yeah it'll be uh um you know it, it's it's for me i'm excited for the first time obviously to experience it but uh it's always interesting to me to to talk to folks that you know have run it once and then they go back and run it again and, and how you know different the experience is and and you know kind of in the world we live in right now or with with covid it'll be interesting to see what that race looks like for the next couple of years. Like, you know, are they going to have to limit the number of people? Are they like, like, like there's a lot of obviously unknowns at this point still. Um, but I was talking to somebody, you know, this morning as we're recording that, that it's like, you know, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic that some of the smaller races will kind of be back next year. The races with a few thousand people kind of figuring out how to do the proper distancing and make it happen. But those races like Boston, like New York, like Chicago, you know, these races with 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people, um, it'll be an interesting dynamic of how that shakes out and, and how those races will in theory be able to happen again and what they're going to look like. Um, so for you, it, it will probably end up being a whole completely new experience, or at least has the potential to be a completely new experience when you get back right. out there, uh, you know, pre COVID versus post COVID and how that impacts these big major races. Yep. The, the big thing is if I can get back out there, there's no guarantee that I'll run another, uh, another qualifying time, um, <laughs> between, between injuries and age, uh, and then they changed the qualifying right. standards, uh, was it a year or two afterwards? So mm -hmm. I basically have to run 
a very similar time or faster to, to get back in there. Um, if my body holds up through a training session, uh, for, for a marathon, I, I might stand a chance of doing it again. Uh, otherwise it'll be waiting until I get to the next age group and, and hope I can do it then. Yeah, that's so. that's that's the trick. But like I said, for myself, you know, just I just got to get faster and get older. You just got to, you know, stay the same pace and maybe get a little bit older, and then you'll be good to go. So just, you know, that's just what you need to do to qualify. For yeah, this yeah, yeah. Um, shifting shifting gears a little bit, Rick, but something that uh, I'd love to to kind of maybe you know use this as, as kind of maybe the last major major topic as we're uh, getting eventually close to wrapping up today, but something you've mentioned a couple of times, kind of having the, uh, the, the running club, having some, some good running, running partners, training partners on a, on a consistent basis over the course of, you know, sounds like pretty much the, the entirety of your, uh, at least longer distance running career, at least the last, the last decade or so of it. Um, what's been, I'm assuming pretty positive, but uh, maybe this is going to be the, the, the intro question to talking about, you know, having a, a running community, a local community around you. Um, what, what's been the, the, the benefit, the value of have, of being part of the, the local running club and having, you know, regular training partners, uh, for you from your, you know, kind of your perspective of that, that relationship that you have with the, with those friends. Yep. So the, the amount of knowledge and experience that, that they bring, to the table, uh, and, and everybody's so positive. Um, there's, there's no way I would have done more than, you know, just do the one marathon to say that I've done one if it wasn't for, for the running club. Um, the camaraderie, um, you know, I, I went from running with, I had, um, my, my racquetball partner who had knee surgery, had to quit running to running by myself, uh, and, and just, kind of lack the motivation um and the accountability that you have when you have a group of people that you're running with and you tell them you're going to be there so you know you feel pressure to to show up um and you know we have every every pace imaginable we have uh there's older members of the the club uh, a couple who uh, we're Olympic qualifiers, uh, a lot of age group elites. Um, right now we're, we're kind of lacking in the, in the younger category, but there's, there's always somebody at, you know, I would say anywhere from a six thirty seven minute pace per mile to 11 minute pace per mile. So whether you're, you're new to running, uh, you're coming back from injury, uh, you're training for an ultra, whatever it may be. Uh, you have that support system built in. Um, so it's, it's been invaluable to me. Um, and, and such a, a positive outlet outside of, you know, like right now with, with COVID and, um, you know, work life, you you just, you you like to have these people that are focused on something, Mm -hmm. um, other than the negative. Right. Uh, and, involved in your life. So, and, and I've taken trips with them. We, you know, the running club, um, we had a team together that went and did Ragnar down in, um, uh, Phoenix mm. back in 2019. I went with a group that went to, uh, do the Bermuda marathon in 2000, 2019, uh, numerous races all over the place. So, um, and just for the record, I, I didn't join the club till 2015. So I, mm. I, I'm relatively new but I, I jumped in with both feet and, uh, I'm now one of the co-presidents awesome. for, for the, for the club. Um, 
and and we serve two years and mm-hmm. and it rotates but um it's difficult right now with COVID and not being able to get the groups together the way right. we normally would but we still typically on a on a saturday morning there's you know 15 to 20 some people that show up to the run depending on where we're, we're running from mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's it's a huge part of my life um and and the club itself you know they, they do uh, a lot of outreach in the in the community and um they actually host the lake obagon trail marathon um and you know talking about the impacts of COVID, i, I know that they've had to limit the number of registrants, uh, typically I think they have 450 or, uh, right around there. And mm-hmm. I think they're limiting it to 225 or 250. But, um, if anybody's looking for a, a fast, fast marathon, that is a B, BQ, um, uh, Lake Obagon trail marathon is, is one of those that I would recommend. It's where I qualified. And I, I know a lot of people have qualified gotcha. there. So, well, let's, let's talk about that just a little bit more. Cause I, you got me, uh, you know, my, my, my ears perked up when you talk about uh, a trail marathon being a, a fast and, and uh, qualifying. Because when I think of trails, of course, I'm, I, I think you probably know where I'm going here. I don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. think of like fast. I don't necessarily think of certified. I don't think, you know, like like to me, a trail race is like ish. You know, it's, it's a marathon-ish. It might be 25 miles. It might be 28 miles. You know, you talk about an ultra, it might be 29 miles. It might be 40 miles. And still call it a 50K, like whatever. Um, so, so for somebody that's hearing this, uh, I'm assuming that's probably not exactly the, the situation. So tell us a little bit more about the Lake Wobegon trail marathon and why it's a, a good Boston qualifying event. Sure. So, uh, it's actually a bike trail. It's a okay. paved bike trail. Yeah, it, it's, and, and, you know, I, I've, I've done a handful of trail trail races. And when I think of trail races, I think of mountains, hills, rocks, mm-hmm. there's, there's none of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and the the race is is uh, in May, uh, and the temps here are usually pretty cool uh, at that time. So temp wise, it's it's pretty good. It's um, there's very little uphill during this race, and you finish typically with the wind at your back. Mm. Um, so w- with those things involved with the race, um, people tend to run pretty pretty good times. Um, and, and we do have people from all over the country that show up to, to run this race because it's, it's, uh, relatively fast and the, the organizers over the years, I mean, they're just, they're so experienced. Uh, I, I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about running marathons when, you know, I've around these people that have, you know, many 50 staters and people who have run over a hundred marathons and, um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's very, very well run. Good. Good. Well, that's, you know, add that to the list of, uh, potential races that, uh, certainly for myself, trying to get to all the States to run 50 States, um, being, being a guy who's on record as saying, I like a smaller race. I like a low key type of thing. It sounds like this might be right up my alley. And if, you know, if, if the, the lines are lining up right to get the, the faster and the older and the, the you know, making a run at a, at an eventual Boston qualifier, like who knows, maybe, uh, maybe I'll show up to your backyard here one of these years, Rick, and, and run a little, uh, little trail marathon. That's not exactly what I think of for a trail marathon. And that's not a bad thing, that's for sure. Yeah. And it finishes in a small college town in, in central Minnesota where there's, a. Uh, a nice little local brewery that uh, opened their doors to us a couple of years ago, and and hopefully we'll be going back there again after. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, as we're getting getting about to that to that point here, Rick, um, we'd love to uh, 
to, I guess, I guess we'll just close it off with the old philosophical question, right? We got to, can't, uh, can't end one of these without a little philosophical something or another. So, um, you know, we've, we've talked a few things, lessons learned, things like that, which is kind of a, uh, you know, maybe lessons learned the hard way, which is sometimes the, uh, the, the route I go with these, but, um, I'd just be curious to, to hear your take on, um, what it means to you to be, to be a runner at this point in your life. You know, I mean, having, having kind of that background, like you talked about running a little bit of track, a little bit of cross country, running a bit, uh, younger than kind of taking, taking time really, you know, 20 years, 25 years away from the sport, uh, getting back into it, you know, at this, at this point, uh, where you are in life, races run goals you still have out there. Um, what, what does, what does it mean to be, you know, what, what, what is, what does running mean to you, uh, at this point going forward? Really? I mean, I, I look at running as providing, um, a freedom that nothing else that I do provides, uh, just the idea that you can go out and run, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten miles, um, enjoy a trail roads, whatever it may be. Um, the freedom that comes with that ability, uh, and the, the benefit from it. I, I, I haven't found anything else that, that fits that bill. Um, I mean, I, I still work out regularly outside of, outside of running. Um, I don't see me getting away from that anytime soon either, but, uh, I, I just don't get the the same satisfaction or, or sense of freedom. Gotcha. Gotcha. Certainly not in my head. And I think probably a lot of folks are as well. And, and then, and then I'm gonna put my coach's head on for a real quick second and be like, just make sure you don't have to keep uh, learning too many of those lessons the hard way. So you can keep experiencing <laughs> that freedom going forward, keep pushing the envelope, but keep taking care of yourself so that uh, you can continue to do this for you know the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. As long as, as long as you got left on the, on the earth, uh, keep picking them up and putting them down. That'd be great. That would be great. That's certainly something that I think we're all all uh, in agreement with as well, is as long as we can, keep keep doing it. So once again, guys, disruns.com slash 880 is the link for the show notes today. Not a lot of social media stuff for Rick, but uh, we'll have the, the show notes as we always do, a couple of photos, that all that good stuff, links, the whole nine, disruns.com slash 880. So uh, Rick, thank you again for uh, for raising your hand, volunteering to uh, to join me on, on one of these, these episodes. I appreciate it. Uh, and certainly looking forward to uh, continuing to stay in touch. I know I get an email from you every once in a while reply to something that I send out, which is always uh, appreciated. So uh, anything that I can do for you, let me know. But like I said, uh, stay healthy, my friend. Keep it keep it going. Uh, and uh, all the best to you going forward. All right, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope that you enjoyed the conversation between Rick and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your takeaway from the conversation today? Uh, for me, it's it's the the reminder, I think not not something new, but the reminder that hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, it's 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 frustrating sometimes how easy it is after the fact to know what we should have done. You know, with with Rick and and kind of you know some of the lessons he's learned the hard way, like we talked about the the, the lactose intolerance, sometimes pushing himself to maybe too much, too hard, too fast. Uh, just doing too much in general, whatever the case might be, that has led to some injuries, things like that. Um, it's always easy after the fact to kind of go, oh yeah, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's, uh, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. Maybe I should learn this lesson. Uh, and, and I know for myself, that certainly is the case, you know, whether running life and everything in between, you know, sometimes with, with the business stuff, sometimes with personal life, it's like after, after you know the result, you're like, oh yeah, 
yeah, that wasn't the best option. I could have done that. I could have handled that situation better. And and I think that, that where that takeaway kind of comes in, or, or at least where I hope that it goes for myself and, and perhaps for you as well, is when we have the benefit of hindsight to learn a lesson, hopefully we learn the lesson that time. Hopefully we don't have to keep learning the lesson, maybe the hard way. Again, kind of a tie-in to something we talked quite a bit about today. Um, but but use that 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 ability of hindsight to see 2020 to then shape our behavior going forward so that we don't keep repeating the same mistakes. You know, maybe learning some things about how how our our strategy for training works, how our running works, what works best for us. Just because somebody else can run seven days a week or four days a week or 50 miles a week or whatever the case might be, doesn't necessarily mean that's right for you. So you try some different things. You look back on what you've tried, learn from it. Did it work? Was it too much? Was it not enough? What's the case? And then adjust going forward. You know, if, if running 50 miles a week is just too much for you right now with your life and your schedule and family and work and all the things, but you try it and something bad goes, you know, something goes wrong, injury, burnout, fatigue, whatever. Well, learn from that and don't keep trying to run 50 miles a week, right? There's other things you can do to build your fitness, to, to reach your, your running goals, whatever they may be. So maybe a little bit convoluted in here. Uh, but th- that was something that I feel kind of, you know, especially with, with the lessons learned the hard way, which we obviously we talked uh, about for, for a decent little chunk of today's episode. It's that idea that, that hindsight, man, hindsight, it's always crystal clear. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Learn from that. And uh, this is one of those instances where me pointing it out doesn't mean that I got it all figured out. It's me reminding myself that, oh yeah, that's, that's something I need to learn from. Learn from those, those mistakes, those bumps along the way. And maybe try not to keep committing those same mistakes going forward. I don't know. Maybe you like doing it the hard way. You like, you like taking the bumps. Uh, I don't yet. Somehow I I keep doing it. So maybe I need to to figure out this whole hindsight thing and then learn from it. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'm a little bit guilty on this one. Maybe, maybe I'm a lot guilty on this one. I don't know. But what about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? What was your takeaway? Uh, let me know at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also send an email to Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today, which you can find at Dizruns.com slash 880. Dizruns.com slash 880. Uh, links to things we talked about today uh, and certainly photos and cliff notes, show notes, all that stuff. And of course, there's that comment section down at the bottom of the page as well. You can leave your thoughts, feedbacks, comments, and takeaways there. And uh, I will be sure to get back to you in fairly short order after you leave those there. Always love to see when somebody takes the time to, to leave a comment. Certainly appreciate that. Uh, one last time before we wrap this thing up completely, uh, don't forget if you want to jump on the phone, you're struggling with a little something, you need a little bit of, of one-off coaching, that is available. Just head on over to disruns.com slash consultation, disruns.com slash consultation, schedule a time, and I look forward to uh, chatting with you, jumping on the phone, talking through, hopefully helping you out, getting you pointed in the right direction, and then uh, releasing you back to your own to get the to do the work and, and you know get past whatever obstacles in your way. So if we can do that, disruns.com slash consultation. Now uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, shall we? Uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, go ahead and hit that share button. Spread the word. That's uh, certainly always, always appreciated. And uh, until next time, y'all, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? See you guys.